0: you're listening to the b-school podcast i'm your host taylor elise morrison embodiment coach and founder of inner workout consider b-school your invitation to becoming a student of yourself so come on let's get studying hey there so one of the things that i'm trying to do more this year is just to read a lot more. I grew up reading a lot and I find that so often when I'm traveling between places I just look at my phone, I check email, I scroll through Instagram and I miss reading. So I'm going to experiment with sharing some book reviews some things that I'm picking up as I'm doing all of this reading and on here it'll be mostly work or personal development related but I'm trying to read a lot of fiction as well. Today, I wanted to talk about a book called Secrets of Six-Figure Women. And I've mentioned it in passing on the podcast before, and I wanted to dive a little bit deeper. I got this book at a conference, a women's kind of personal development conference. And one of the speakers was kind enough to actually buy it for all of the participants and give everyone a copy. So, of course, I read it. And it is something that since then, that was a couple of years ago, I returned to it two or three times a year, maybe not reading the whole way through, but seeing it as this personal pep talk. And really for me, it was one of the first resources that helped me uncover some of my own stories around money, stories that I didn't even fully realize that I had. I felt like I I knew a lot about money. I felt like I had a decent relationship with it. I grew up and I would get allowance and anytime I got birthday money, I would tithe part of it because I was raised Christian and then we'd save part of it and then what was left that would be money that I could spend. But I really always enjoyed saving money and I got to use those savings for things like buying my first American Girl doll or being able to go to the toy store and pick out a A toy, and it always felt really good to be able to buy things with my own money. As I got older, I really loved to budget and I loved to save. And just knowing that there was money in my savings accounts always felt really good for me. It gave me a sense of security. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. There's nothing wrong with growing accounts and feeling that sense of security. But there is a difference between feeling secure and playing it safe all the time. And I I noticed that because of things that happened that I won't fully go into, but I realized that it was less about security and safety and more starting to get to this place where I was almost hoarding the money, feeling like I had to, to have it to know that I was going to be okay. And that showed up in other ways that I was relating to money. My mom, bless my mom's heart. She's always taught me to negotiate for salaries. and I always kind of push back like I can't negotiate for this because it's a program or I can't negotiate for this because it's a smaller company. I don't think they have the budget or I can't negotiate on this for whatever reason. And I was often getting into this narrative of like whoever was on the other end of a negotiation, they were doing me a favor by giving me a job, or by wanting to work with me as my client, always thinking that it was an uneven exchange, rather than, no, I'm providing value, and then I'm receiving a monetary value in return. It's an exchange. So reading this book has been really, really helpful, and it's kind of helped me go from just Holding on to what is the money that's in my bank account to starting to create what could be and see beyond the money that's in my bank account. And it's called Secrets of Six Figure Women. It doesn't matter if your goal is to make six figures or seven figures or you just want to have a job where you feel fulfilled. The point isn't about the number of zeros at the end of your paycheck, it's really about how you're relating to money and your worth, your self-worth, and how that plays into your net worth. So throughout the book she has, I believe it's seven different strategies, seven or eight. I'm just gonna talk about three that have been impactful for me. If you want to go deeper, you can get the book. I'll link to it in the show notes. It's a really easy read. She's really personable. She actually Barbara Stanley the author she comes to this work Because she was married and had a husband who really mismanaged their funds and she was put in a really bad financial situation. And her father was the founder of H&R Block. And so she came into a lot of money and he was pretty sexist and didn't believe that women should work. And just wanted her to marry a husband and stay at home and do these things. So she had all these stories for herself around money. I thought it was bad for her to earn money. And then her husband screwed everything up with their money. And she had to figure out, okay, how can I actually sustain myself now? So I love her perspective where she's coming from because she's not like, hey, I've done this perfectly my whole life. She's had to go through the trenches and do the work herself. So that being said, I'm going to share some of the strategies that Barbara shares in the book, and if you want to go deeper, you can get the book. I'll link to it in the show notes. So the first strategy around getting to whatever income feels comfortable for you, or even just improving your relationship with money, is a declaration of intention. So saying that you're going to make whatever it is, whether it's I'm going to make $50,000 this year or I'm going to make $350,000 this year, setting a declaration of intention and acknowledging that you want to make money. Now for me, this was hard. This is early on in the book and I started to realize, "Huh, why is it hard for me to say that I want to make money?" And then I dug into it and it's because I felt like it was wrong for me to want to make money because the love of money is the root of all evil, but a lot of times that's shortened when people are just talking about it in a conversation colloquially to money is the root of all evil. So when you grow up and you hear that Bible verse and you hear things, it's like, oh, money is bad. I shouldn't want that. I shouldn't want to have a good amount of money because that means that there's something wrong with me. Whether you choose to say in language that that's simple or whatever, but I noticed that I had this weird relationship to money. So setting the intention, yes, it's important to be able to say, I want to make money, whatever amount of money that is that you aspire to, but also the real work is understanding what comes up when you start to declare that intention and it might be feelings of unworthiness It might be feelings of shame. It might be fear. Or maybe you have a great relationship with money and you say it, no problem. For me personally, having that declaration was one of the first aha moments where I realized, oh, me and money, we have some work to do around the way that we relate. The next strategy is letting go of the ledge. And I've mentioned this quote before. It's my favorite quote from this book. Feel the fear. Have the doubts. Go for it anyway. And so right now we're in this age where entrepreneurship is cool. So when I say let go of the edge, there are probably some of you listening who immediately thought, oh, letting go of the ledge means that I'm supposed to quit my full-time job and start my own business and travel the world and hashtag laptop lifestyle. No, that doesn't have to be letting go of the ledge. Letting go of the ledge could be Asking for that promotion when you've worked someplace for three years and you know that you're doing most of your boss's work and saying, okay, I'm going to ask for that promotion, but if not, I'm willing to go get a job elsewhere where I'm paid what I'm work. Letting go of the ledge could be actually going to talk with a financial planner And looking at your whole financial picture and starting to take steps towards your retirement or whatever it is. A lot of times, people have fear around looking at all of their numbers, either because they have debt and there's things that they don't want to see, or because they just assume it's going to be confusing. So they just don't really look at it, even though they might look at it and see that they're in a great spot. So, letting go of the ledge is something that for me, I felt like this one. If you would have asked me a year ago, I would have felt that letting go of the ledge, like no problem. I quit my full-time job. I work part-time. I let go of the ledge. I'm doing what I want to do. And now as I sit here recording it, I'm like, yeah, I let go of the ledge, but I still kind of have like one hand on the ledge and the other hand's off. And for me, a lot of my ledge is being afraid what people will think being afraid to put myself out there, having big dreams, but then secretly in the back of my head, not thinking that they're accessible to me. So as you think about this strategy for improving your income, improving your relationship to money, you have to be able to define what your ledge is. What is that thing that you're holding on to that's preventing you from moving towards what's possible? It's going to be different for everyone. For me, it's a lot of mental stuff. I can make the decisions that are risky to other people, but it's that internal work and conversation that is tricky for me. You got to find out what it is for you. The final strategy that I'll share is the stretch. And the stretch just means that you are constantly putting yourself in situations where you feel a little bit uncomfortable. Part of my background is in employee engagement and leadership development, and a lot of times when you are from an HR perspective at a company, when you're looking at a person that you see could be a leader in five years and ten years, you start to assign them stretch assignments. You start to put them in positions where they're building skills, and you know that maybe They won't fully be able to do it perfectly, but they're gaining the skills so that by the time, years down the road, you want them to lead, they've got those skills and they feel confident in those skills. The stretch is like that, but instead of your HR doing it for you, you intentionally decide to do it. You raise your hand for something that seems a little bit scary, but you know that you could do it to some capacity. I've started doing that more business-wise where there were opportunities where I would have last year talked myself out of it and said like, oh, well, they asked for this and I've kind of done this before, but I've only done it once or twice. So I'm not going to put myself out there. If I feel like, no, I could actually do this and do it well, then I put my name in the ring and I let the other people decide whether or not they think that I'm the fit. That's the stretch for me, is raising my hand even if I don't feel like I can do it in my sleep. And this is important because there's statistics around how men will raise their hand for things that they're like marginally qualified for, but women are looking through job descriptions or requests for proposals, whatever it is, almost like line by line, being like, "Okay, I do meet that exactly two years." Of experience with this, and I do meet that. Oh, I don't meet that. Okay, I'm done. Whereas a man would have read the same thing and been like, Oh, yeah, I could do that, and then puts his hat in the ring. So the stretch is choosing those stretch assignments, putting yourself out there for those opportunities that are a little bit uncomfortable, but you will be surprised how you rise to the occasion. Stretching shows you what you're capable of and you are capable of so much more than you think. So I love this book as just something to return to. It's kind of a pep talk in a book for me. My relationship to money is something that I'm continuing to work on, less about all of the savings and investment strategies. I actually nerd out on that kind of stuff, but more on just thinking that I'm worth it, knowing that I provide value and that I deserve to be compensated for the value that I provide. So that's how I'm coming into this money conversation. It's probably going to be different for you. If you want to dive deeper into the strategies in the book, she interviews a bunch of different women, some who are under earners, several who are making six figures, seven figures. It's a really good read. It's an easy read. So like I said, I will link to it in the show notes. And let me know, do you like me talking about books that I read? Is it something that you want to continue this is something new that I'm trying, so I'm open to what your thoughts are. Feel free to DM me on Instagram or to shoot me an email. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to Andres Rodriguez for the intro and outro music. You can keep in touch with me on Instagram at Taylor Elise Morrison. Elise is E L Y S E, and check out the resources on my website at TaylorElise.com.